How are you going to determine if you're successful? I'd say that's usually where I push people. You can experiment in any number of areas, but what do you want the outcome to be? Hi, and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president of Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. I'm sitting down today with Emily Montgomery, who is the VP of Professional Services at Explore. And Emily approached me with the topic of taking risks and creating a culture of risk within your marketing org. And I first thought to myself, Emily, I'm not so sure our entire economy, our world of marketers right now is very, very risk adverse. There's a lot of fear. And she explained to me that now is a great time to take calculated risks and explains to us where you should and shouldn't be looking at ways to try new things within your marketing department. And it involves a mindset shift, which I always love. So grab a drink and join me as I speak with Emily from Explore. Hey, Emily, welcome to SAS Half Full. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here. I am excited to have you. We are talking about taking risks today, which I'm pretty excited about because it feels like the whole economy and world right now is a risk. So really excited to talk about it. I made myself a cocktail and it is a vodka cocktail, which is rather aggressive at two o'clock on a Monday, but I'm going to do the thing. Are you joining me for a drink? I am joining you for a drink. It's also two o'clock on a Monday. We've got a tequila, some mango, something with a big fiery kick to it. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I was pumped about this topic. It's not one that we've tackled on SAS Half Full before in terms of creating culture of risk and what is a good risk versus a bad risk. Is all risk bad? But before we dive into that, I do want to give our listeners an understanding a little more about you, who you are in your background. You're the VP of Professional Services at Explore. But what was life before that? How did you get into software? Has this been your path for quite some time or are you new to this world? It's kind of on accident, actually. Before I joined Explore, I had my own consulting company and was a partner of Explore. So worked really closely with the people at Mariana Tech, which is one of our products at Explore for a number of years. Prior to that, though, I was the chief marketing operations officer for a boutique fitness franchise and was there for about five years. What led me there originally was a digital marketing agencies, which took us all over the place. After I left the agency world, then being able to blend my personal passions with fitness into the marketing world within the boutique fitness franchising company. So as the boutique fitness world has developed and technology has become more and more and more ingrained in the industry, that's really how my path has been formed as I look ahead to and what is still to come. Awesome. And for those who are listening who don't know what Explore is, one of the verticals that you service is fitness industry, so that makes sense. But can you just give us a quick speed dating version of what Explore is? Explore is a digital platform provider that does service a number of industries, fitness being one of them, that also allows for embedded payments. And it's an all-in-one solution that's ultimately designed to simplify life for business owners, both small and large businesses. Perfect. So this idea of risk, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation is the marketers right now are really being charged with do more with less, which does not feel like a risk taking environment. I had another guest on, he was literally talking about like the good old days of COVID, which we were laughing about, but as a marketer, specifically in the software or SaaS world, 
budgets were high, valuations were high, and there was a lot of risks being taken. There was a lot of let's try it, let's see it. It doesn't feel like that's the environment that we're in right now. A lot of wait and see, budgets being cut, which is why I love the topic right now. Easy to talk about it, right? When times are good, uh, harder to talk about it and take the risk when everyone's running a little bit scared. Talk to us about the idea of a risk culture. We've actually just talked about this recently at our agency of how can we ingrain more of that risk culture just with our organization. So how do you create or know even if you have an appetite or a culture of risk in your organization? I do think that risk has a negative connotation to it most often. And I do believe that even just reframing it and not looking at it as risk, but rather willingness to experiment takes away that negativity. And with that negativity often comes the fear. And when those two emotions are really present, I don't believe that anybody is really able to make really sound business decisions when it's all motivated by fear and negativity of what is going to go wrong. Whereas if it's reframed as an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to experiment and try and see if it's going to work, it feels less aggressive and maybe even less scary. Creating a culture that allows and encourages experimentation as an opportunity to learn, knowing that failure, quote unquote, is inevitable. Not everything is going to work, but there's always something to learn from what you were willing to try. And if you were to try it again, what would you do differently? Or if you were never going to do it again, why wouldn't you do it? So that you can start to make more sound, less emotional decisions as a business owner, but also as a team. I love that idea of reframing the mindset around it because you couple the word risk with failure. That's the double negative. So if we're thinking of experiment with opportunity to learn, that is a completely different way to look at it. I think the same way as the word feedback because people always seem like feedback is negative when that is an opportunity to get better. So I love this idea of reframing the mindset. Talk to us a little bit about those level of risk. There are smarter, calculated, less riskier risks. And then there's these general risks that maybe have more on the line. How do you distinguish the two? What's the smart, calculated way to take risk? One example is working with one of our boutique fitness clients that's going to go down the road of franchising. And that's a rather large risk mostly because of the financial investment to prepare to do that, not necessarily because of the probability of success, but rather the upfront investment required before you even go ahead and start selling businesses and selling your concept. So in an instance like that, where there is such a big financial commitment, that is a risk that I would weigh with your own probability and confidence in your success. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to be successful, even though it may be a difficult road ahead or a longer road ahead than what you had expected? Believe it or not, a lot of the clients that I work with, it feels really risky when they're going to launch a new class type maybe even just launch a new membership option. 
that isn't quite as risky, at least in my opinion. It's in a safe environment. You're not putting everything out there on the line, but rather it feels more like, okay, I'm going to try this with the people that have already bought into me and see if this is going to work. In general, I'm actually a very risk adverse person, but I love to learn and I love to experiment. If the possibility on the other side of that risk is worth it to you, or that reward is going to make a huge impact either in your life or other businesses that you're working with or other clients, you really have to decide how bad do you want it and know that you might have to change directions a few times along the way so that you can avoid what would be considered failure and use it as an opportunity to keep pivoting. And there's probably people listening who also identify with you say, yeah, in my personal life and just in general, I'm a risk adverse person. Do you feel like then that you need greater buy-in of the risk that you're taking so that like everyone's clear on what you're doing and what the potential outcomes are going to be? I believe in that 100%. I believe in over-communication. I don't think you can ever be at fault for over-communicating what the mission is, what your path is, what the steps are that you would like to take to get there. As a greater team, having that buy-in and everybody understanding their role to help get the whole company there or get you all there. I feel as though that almost removes some of the risk because you're not in it alone then. You're all working together towards a greater goal or mission, really depending on where that path is going to take you. I do something where I call it the then what situation with myself where I'm thinking through a risk and I'll say, okay, we launched this new gym class and nobody shows up. Okay, well then what? Well, then we've already printed all the schedules. Now we have to take it off. Well, then what? Okay, well, we're probably out X amount of printing costs. Can we cover that? Yes. But then we have this fitness instructor now who doesn't have it. Well, then what? So I could sort of go through these then what's. Eventually, I talked myself into it of like, you know what? There's really not a big then what happens. That's how I calculate the degree of risk is, whereas like the franchise thing, that's a big one. You know, if we're pouring in this money, well, then what? <laughs> we're out of business. And there's other steps in between that. But typically, that's a good litmus test for me, whether or not it's an okay risk to take that doesn't have a massive outcome. It's funny that you should say, and then what? And then what? I do that all day, especially when we're working with our clients and you see the fear, even just talking about what they're considering to be a risk. And I'm encouraging them to view it as an experiment, an opportunity to learn, get uncomfortable. If you push them to keep responding with, all right, then what, then what? It takes away some of the fear that we almost artificially create of these horrible instances and things that are going to happen once we make that step or start moving in that direction. Part of what's also there with risk is, as I said, I'm certainly risk adverse, but I am not uncomfortable getting uncomfortable. I believe that's where you grow. And as soon as you stay comfortable and you're only willing to stay where you're comfortable, now you're not really taking any risks. You're not really challenging yourself. You don't get as much of an opportunity to try and see and use it as a chance 
to absorb and just observe what happens, even if it's uncomfortable, to then process that and determine what the next move is. And shifting focus to marketers specifically, marketers in general have been in a shitty spot this year that whole do more with less, budgets being cut, and also too in just being handed down this budget cut and then you're trying to figure out, man, what am I going to do with this? But why is it important to have a risk culture in marketing throughout, even in times like this? I entered into the marketing space and working in agencies in 2002, and it was also a dark time through almost until 2009. It was interesting starting my career with that type of environment and then seeing the highs, and now we're kind of moving back down into a scary place of a low, that when it comes to marketing, I really believe if you're really intentional with what you're doing as a marketer, what is your strategy? What is your desired outcome? How are you going to get there? You may have to do it with less and you might have the opportunity to put more behind it, but it doesn't have to change the strategy and how you're executing that. In my world, we do a lot with marketing automation. Now, if budgets aren't a concern, it changes how you're going to execute your marketing automations, maybe in terms of the number of platforms you're going to be working on, maybe the number of people on your team that are going to be responsible, maybe even in the sophistication of what it is you're doing. But if you have to pull that all back at the core, you can still execute the same strategy, but maybe simplify it a little bit more. But there isn't a whole team that is overseeing marketing automation. Maybe there's not a CRM team. Maybe you have to work with one technology. So if you strip it back, you should have a foundational strategy when it comes to your marketing strategy that can contract and also expand. And I know that sounds really lofty, but it's definitely possible if you can pull things back, but still accomplish what you want, you should. Maybe it's going to move a little slower. Maybe you're not going to get as much of a return. Maybe it has to just really be focused on consistency rather than the sexiness of what it is that you're doing. So if you look at all of the different marketing channels, spends, tactics, what is okay or where would you recommend experimenting versus maybe staying away from or playing a little more safe? I get asked a lot about paid media and paid media for certain businesses, and I say certain businesses, can produce tremendous results. And in other businesses, it won't. Depending on what you're selling, and I've worked with a number of different businesses now, clearly right now I work with Boutique Fitness, you're selling a experience. Yes, it's a service, but it's an experience. When it comes to paid, that is an area that you can take some risk and make some investments, but be really thoughtful about how you're using it to showcase the experience and the service you provide versus just selling an offer. Whereas if you're talking about e-commerce, it's different. It's a bit more straightforward. It's less experiential. It's a thing. Maybe you're just buying this t-shirt so you can show it 
Maybe you can't feel it, but you can describe what it feels like. For me, I'd argue that seems a bit more straightforward. So if you're going to take a risk or invest some spend in paid media, be really intentional about what it is that you're expecting it to do for you. If you're looking for sales or if you're looking for growth of your audience or if you're looking for just general awareness, and then how are you going to determine if you're successful? I'd say that's usually where I push people. You can experiment in any number of areas, but what do you want the outcome to be? Start with the outcome and then decide what is the path that you're willing to put a little bit more in. Try to see if you can get that reward. Okay. There's people who are listening that may need to go to a manager and say, I have an idea. And then there's others who are managers and their people are going to come to them and say, so I have an idea, something I want to try. So walk me through that scenario. I come to you, you're my manager, and I say, Emily, I have an idea. Here's some suspicions I have. Here's something I'd like to try. What are the questions that you're asking me? Let's walk through that. So the first thing I'm going to say is, all right, tell me about the idea. I want to hear it in full detail, especially when somebody is really enthusiastic. Let them spill it all out there. Then... Be really clear about what is it you're trying to accomplish with this idea. Now, how are you going to know if you did accomplish it? How are we going to know if this was successful specifically? And then do we have any KPIs that we can use here? Do we have any data points that we'll be able to track? I am a data-driven marketer. If you can get away from using emotion and use those data points to determine if you are moving in a path of success or you're moving in a path of quote unquote failure. But I'm going to ask about those KPIs. And then I'm going to ask about how long are you willing to try this before you decide it's not working? Or are we able to retool this a little bit and take a different strategy? How long are you willing to extend this idea? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be a week? And then if we're using these KPIs and we know where we want to go and you've told me what the desired outcome is, now we have those clear indicators to evaluate over the course of that time to try it. And let's try it. Maybe let's start small and start to get a read on whether or not this is working for us. Or if it's not, let's be prepared with some other ways that we can maybe evolve the concept and still accomplish the goal. And I loved your first response to the, hey, I have an idea, was a, wow, cool, tell me about it. One of the words that pretty much digs graves for ideas is the how, when you lead with the how instead of a wow. We had a business coach a few years ago that said, and said always lead with wow, not how. So I love that it was like, wow, great, tell me about it. Instead of like, well, how is that going to work? We've never tried this. Or how do you think that's going to be able to fit into this where it's all of a sudden like, okay, never mind. Like, I don't think, you know, and then it's sort of be quiet. So lead with the wow, not the how. Wow. Can you tell me about a time when this situation played out and it didn't work? There's a number of times that's happened. This is on a smaller scale, but it was a big deal to this client particularly. It was in COVID too. So in 2020, a lot of boutique fitness studios were needing to flip the whole idea on its head and figure out new ways to execute their service without being physically present. 
So there was a lot of idea generation, there was a lot of inspiration, and there was a lot of innovation, but there was a lot of trial and error. What this client did is created an entirely new concept for her business, and it was bringing that experience online. You see that all the time now, but at the time, you didn't see a lot of that. And creating a small group experience online it was really well thought out where there was an accountability component, also the workouts, and you had this intimate group that was working on a path. And again, all executed online where you're setting up these makeshift studios in your home. The idea was solid in that there were people who had been responding to it, but then brought the idea online and it really never gained any momentum. There were a couple of people who were interested and then people fell off. Then she tried it again and she did it a little bit differently and there were less people that were interested and then they fell off. And then by the third time, there really wasn't any interest or response at all. Now she did it three times and she evolved it each of those three times. But the learning in this experience was at the time Nobody wanted to be on their devices any longer than they had to be. And that was the problem. So when everybody was starting to come back and be face-to-face -face and close in same rooms again, and you had that electric energy, she tried it again. And then you started to gain that response. The deflating feeling for each one of those three trials and the first time, all foot on the gas, everybody's talking about it, promote it, whole marketing campaigns about it. It's everywhere. And then not really to get in your response. In this case, there's a lot of emotion from these clients and these business owners because it felt very vulnerable to put themselves out there and not have that response. And then be willing to be uncomfortable, take a risk, and do it again. In the end, she made the same amount that she invested, but it was hard work. It was harder than what she had expected. The outcome was that she was looking to start to get smaller groups of people together to have more depth of the community, and it was a retention tactic. And it did do that, but it didn't exactly go as planned. But it's not a failure if you gains knowledge as a result. I, I know in the moment, it feels that way. What risks are you currently taking on Explore? What we are doing is we've created a product. It's a service and it's centered around marketing automation using pre-built templates that are customizable and giving a one-to-one -one service with a human being. So it's not all automated and you're not talking to a bot. And it's a monthly subscription service and we're trialing it. We're in beta now and have a pretty sizable group. And it's been a great learning so far of are we serving our clients' needs with this service and how can we continue to evolve it? And we're meeting on this on a weekly, daily basis and also letting it sit out there long enough that we can start to learn from our customers as to what it is that they really need and if this service is going to help simplify their life or if it's going to make it more complicated. 
you put a lot out there and build a lot within the technology. Hopefully, it's going to serve the needs that we see need to be filled. Do you feel like you have general buy-in on the idea that you might learn that it doesn't make their lives easier, that that's a possible outcome? Yes. I think what we've learned so far is that it does make our clients' lives easier, but they have so much on their plate that it is difficult to find the minimal time to invest to simplify their life because they're so overwhelmed. So the difficulty is actually in breaking through the noise to show them, hey, you invest an hour a month, we can save you 20 and this will help get some momentum so it'll free you up and you can invest in other areas. That's really been the learning so far. Good luck with that. This has been great. Is there anything else that we didn't tackle that you want to make sure we talk about today? I think when it comes to the risk with this current economic environment, I would just encourage people, although it's difficult, to make sound business decisions or sound marketing decisions that they would make in any type of environment rather than what it feels like you should do because of the environment. So if you take that away, that's the how. If you're working, how am I going to work in this environment? Take that how away and be able to think bigger picture, then apply the how. You won't limit yourself to those creative brainstorming ideas that are the heart of what good marketers are doing. I love that. And in helping create a culture of risk within your marketing org by being the leader of that, here's an idea I have. Here's something I'm going to try. May or may not work, but you be the person to sort of champion that risk-taking culture. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. As I ask all of our guests to end our show, if you have a favorite or signature toast to send us out. So I'm a big tennis fan and it has been a very exciting week. And my favorite right now, because we do this at the end of our matches, I'm on a team, is pressure is a privilege. And I think that is applicable to all of us. What the pressures of running, working in this business, in this environment, or just in your daily life that cheers to us, pressure is a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. That is a new one. We have certainly not had that before, but I love it. Cheers. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks again to Emily for joining me on SAS Half Full. I loved the idea of switching your mindset from risk being a negative thing to simply a willingness to experiment. Hopefully, you guys were able to take away a couple of things from this episode. Always appreciate the listen. And until next time, bottoms up. <laughs>